and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another magical, mindful Monday morning for Torch Report 448. Today we'll be talking about controlling the past, present, and the future. Your mind, friends, is under attack. I know that you know that, and you, you probably know that's how they control you, but today we'll be discussing what you can do about it. Now, today is, of course, September 11th, September 11th, 2023. Cue the somber tones, you know. It's been 22 years since the attacks of 9-11. What's on your plate today? It's Monday, okay? It's a magical Monday, but it is going to be a mindful Monday. And my guess is, all day long today... You're going to be hearing all kinds of, you know, mustard, foo, patriotic, self-slathering, over-the-top squawking about how we're supposed to never forget, never forget. And what are we not supposed to forget? Probably the official narrative, right? I mean, never forget the official narrative because it's self-serving, it's it's shallow, it's really bullshit, but, <laughs> you know, that's just cutting to the chase. I digress, friends. If... If you want to hear about my personal 9-11 experience, my uh, good old G.I. Joe days, uh, how I was naively uh, convinced that George W. Bush, he was just as much as a patriot as I was, and and we were going to take care of those evildoers and all that, you can find that story back in Torch Report 246. Uh, You can also follow my evolving understanding of what actually happened on that day and how it relates to current circumstances via the Patriot Act, etc., etc. Uh, you could you could follow along with all that by revisiting the worst case scenario series I put out uh, that was early right at the beginning of the year the worst case scenario torch reports 273 74 75 and 76 the worst case scenario part one part two uh, and then ultimately how it happens and all of that so I, I I'm just gonna set all of that aside set it aside and let's go ahead and zoom way out zoop way out now. Karl Marx spells out his twisted thinking in the Communist Manifesto. And I think to understand what's happening in America today, that we need to wrap our heads around Marx's strategies, right? He's got strategies for destroying every aspect of existing society. He has has strategies for winning the world. He has strategies for winning the battle of democracy. But today, uh, this is the quote that comes to my mind. And I'm reading directly from the Kami Manifesto. And I quote, in bourgeois society, therefore, the past dominates the present. In communist society, the present dominates the past. Period. End quote. Now, uh, okay, in bourgeois, that, that, that's the capitalist society, right? So I, wanna, I actually want to expand on this language a little bit. Karl Marx says, in bourgeois society, the past dominates the present. In communist society, the present dominates the past. So what what does that mean exactly? Well, if you think about bourgeois as capitalist, as productive, as successful, then in a successful society, the past dominates the present. In a successful society, the past dominates the present. Now, why might that 
be? Hmm, I'm just an ignorant peasant, but could it be because learning from the past increases our efficiency, it increases our productivity, yeah, it really increases our success in all areas of life when we learn from the past. So yeah, in a successful society, the past dominates the present, but obviously that's not what Marx was getting at, right? This commie schmuck, you know? So I just want to pull in the uh, the second half of his little juxtaposition here to discuss communists, i.e. centralized control, i.e. consolidated power, i.e. a tyrannical state. In a tyrannical state-controlled society, the present dominates the past, okay? And, and, And before we get into this, I mean, you could just look and see how... This is playing out in society today. In in a tyrannical state-controlled society, in a communist, centralized, consolidated society, the past, I mean, sorry, the present dominates the past. And we see it today with the 1619 Project, right? The 1619 Project is a long battle over U.S. history. That's coming from the New York Times. You know, the Atlantic says historians clash with the 1619 Project. That's because the 1619 Project is a bunch of crap! But uh, And the historians are just simply pointing that out. Uh, but how is it actually playing out? Well, right now in California, you know, they, they're pushing for uh, slavery reparations, right? Yeah, I link there to the eligibilities, the payments and more. You might want to move to California and claim to be the long-lost descendant of a slave. You know, they're offering up to $5 million payments in restitution. Uh, and that's what's in uh, California's reparation task force final report and all that. It's all there for you to take a look at if you can stomach it. But let me tell you what's not in the reparations task force final report. There was not a shred of common sense, exactly zero logic or rational thinking. Uh, It was so lacking of adult-level intelligence that nearly 60% of Californians, who are not exactly known for their adult-level logic or rational thinking, but nearly 60% of Californians are openly rejecting the utter insanity of robbing taxpayers to fork out $5 million payments to the so-called descendants of slaves. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, of course, uh, you know, it, it, it would be cheaper just to buy these descendants of slaves a plane ticket and send them back to the motherland. Of course, that would require the descendants of slaves to, you know, sacrifice all the modern amenities and all the creature comforts that come with the Western California lifestyle. Of course, you know, uh, they'd have to sacrifice and give up all their cradle-to-grave entitlements and all the other equal opportunities they've been so generously inherited or gifted or bestowed, you know. <laughs> they inherited all this stuff from the uh, all those hardworking, productive, racist, white, <laughs> right supremacists who who successfully built the most prosper, prosperous nation in human history. Right. So, I mean, we could just send them back, but then they'd have to give up this stuff. But never mind all that. You know that that's not how they're going to be thinking about it. So back to what I'm getting at here in a communist society, the present dominates the past. That is to say that whatever harebrained BS like the 1619 Project, whatever happens to be hip in the moment, that's what gets the privilege of displacing not just logic and rational thinking, but displacing history itself. And it's as if, 
you know, all of a sudden, the only thing that matters is that, you know, the interpretation of what matters, you know, this is what's really important. Now we got to give, you know, the descendants of slaves deserve $5 million payments and restitutions for all these evil right-wing extremist racist white supremacists. <laughs> oh, friends, at that point, obviously, uh, you know, the, 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 the conversation has become so detached from reality. Everything has become subjective, and basically anybody can can retell any story they want any way they want. Let me tell you about the American story, my version, or whoever's version. The point is that the stories drive the emotion, and then the emotion drives the behavior, and the behavior drives the vote, and the vote drives the progress, and the progress drives total control. To quote George Orwell, who controls the past, controls the future. Who controls the present, controls the past. Now, I'm sure you probably sense or see the circularity in that statement, right? Let's ask right now, who's in control of the present moment? And just to keep it simple, let's just say that it's the media, okay? Let's say that since the media is, is who, who's dictating the information that gets out there, that's controlling uh, public perception in the present moment, at least on the surface level, okay? And then by controlling the present in this way, they then control the past. And the 1619 Project, uh, that, that's a perfect example of this. The 1619 Project has been dubbed long-form journalism by the New York Times. You know, New York Times is said to be the paper of record. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a liberal rag. It's a paper of the record of propaganda. But never mind that, you know, this, the 1690 Project, it's just, it's a good example. And how by it's a good example of how reframing the foundations of our nation to say that you know uh you know we're just a racist society it's inherently unjust and all that then the current present you know generation the present moment generation they can be taught to believe that in the past everybody was a raging racist slave owner and therefore american society has been been unjust since the very beginning since the founding of our great nation we've just been you know raging racist slave owners and therefore you know what better reason just to tear up the constitution and tear down the country right by controlling the present they control the past by controlling the past or more accurate accurately by controlling people's perception of the past, then they can control the public's emotional reactions to these stories. And thus, you know, they're able to control people's future behavior. It's brilliant. You know, these devious bastards, you know, evil masterminds, Karl Marx. But, you know, we again, where does this idea come from of controlling the present to, to re, you know, reshape the past and then to control, uh, Future behavior, right? By controlling the present, they control the past, and that controls the future. Where does that idea come from again? Remind me, please. That's right. It comes from communism. And at the center of this circular pattern lies the little secret that most people overlook. What they are actually controlling, whether we're talking about the New York Times or politicians, propagandists, or the communists, what, what they're controlling whether it's past, present, or future, what they're controlling is human perception. 
human perception. Now, on that note, let me ask you, uh, anybody who listened, tuned into the Torch Report Weekend Review, heard me talk about the secret weapon. I was, uh, I introduced it last week. Does anybody remember what the secret weapon was? You know, raise your hand if you remember the secret weapon. Luke, I'm listening. What the hell are you talking about? Friends, the secret weapon was surrender. Surrender. Make surrender your secret weapon. You will be glad that you did, I assure you. Now, I want to keep hammering on this issue of making surrender your secret weapon because I feel like it's vitally important. And also because I feel like I'm kind of struggling to communicate exactly why surrender is so vitally important and, and, and exactly how you know surrender is beneficial both to our individual well-beings at the, at the personal level on the daily life but also how surrender is beneficial to our ability to get ourselves out of this mess as a country, as a nation, as a community, okay? So each time that I uh, talk about surrender being your secret weapon, I'm going to come at it from a slightly different angle, and that, that should help it become a little bit more clear. So as I said in Torch Report 443, if you don't recall, that's where I first explained it, but you know, surrender does not mean giving up. Surrender does not mean giving in. You know, in, in a subtle sense, surrender means acceptance of what is, as in what's real right now. Can I accept what's real right now? Because acceptance of what's real right now, that should be the first step in any practical tactical strategy, right? Because if we fail to perform an accurate assessment of what the hell is going on, then we are woefully unprepared to achieve any sorts of results. Right? We're never going to get any traction. We're never going to win a battle if we don't know what the hell is going on. So what's real right now? We need to accept what's real right now. And if we assess the situation as less than ideal, we still have to accept it. Right? We can't, oh, man, this is kind of a shitty circumstance. Man, I don't really like that very much. And so if we just sit around, you know, you know, bitch moaning, complaining about everything, then, you know, we, we've done nothing but waste our precious time and energy. And all the while we're, you know, whining about things, the circumstances are going to continue to devolve from bad to worse. So don't waste your time wishing for things to be different than they are. Surrender, my friends. Surrender. We must accept reality just as it is. If we choose uh, you know, to fight against the cosmos, or if we try to live in denial of what's actually real right now, uh, it's no good for anyone, friends. Does that make sense? You know, are, are you following me here? Am I wrong or am I right? Now, surrender your stories. You know, that, that's really what this is about. And, or not surrender your stories, but this is kind of drilling down into the meat of it here just a little bit. What I mean is that, you know, if your story right now is that all hell is going to break loose at any moment. You're just waiting for the shoe to drop. How does that affect your quality of life? If your story right now is that everything is so corrupt and so out of control, there's just no hope of fixing things, and there's really nothing that you can do about it, how does that make you feel? Do these stories motivate you to make things better? Or perhaps do these stories cause you to withdraw and feel a little overwhelmed? You see what I'm saying? The story drives the emotion. The emotions drive behavior. 
Now, I would suggest surrendering these stories because they don't really serve you. In fact, they actually create invisible walls and internal barriers that close off your ability to make the most of your life just as it is, even in the midst of societal chaos. Are you following me here? (laughs) You know, surrender these stories. Surrendering these stories. That's the first step of an accurate assessment of all your options. Okay? Yeah, sure, the world may be going to hell, but life is still good. You know? Yes, we may be facing a nuclear war, but then again, it may never happen. So we can't really suspend our lives and live in fear of the future. Remember that the the you know this fear. That's the first step in menticidal hypnosis. It's just the first step, but put people in fear. So if we're believing these stories and we're living in fear, that's the first step toward menticidal hypnosis. Okay, I'm not making this stuff up, but if we can surrender that story, then we can evaluate the circumstance as is and make our choices according, uh, according to reality, accordingly. Now, All of that said, of course, there are some stories that you should probably never surrender, right? Surrender, again, it's not giving up, it's not giving in, it's just, it's laying it down out there, okay? Let it go. There are some stories you should probably never surrender. And this is kind of a personal thing, but, you know, just kind of give you an example speaking personally here, part of my story is that I am an American, And that means that I was born free. I was born in a free country that was founded on a constitution that expressly protects my personal freedoms. That's my story and I'm sticking to do it, okay? I also believe the story about the Tree of Liberty, that it must be watered from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. I will never surrender that story. Now, there are you know, are an infinite number of examples, but you can see how powerful stories are. Here's the thing. We can selectively surrender our stories or not. And when we, when we go through this exercise, it significantly elevates our awareness to what's going on in our inner world. And that is key. That is absolutely critical, given all of the fifth-generation warfare, the slick propaganda, the sophisticated psyops, and the weaponized AI. All of these things are actively assaulting your mental stability, my mental stability, our mental stability. They're actively working to bring us all into submission, bring our minds into submission via subconscious taming. That's mental enslavement. Friends, if you, if you never learned to surrender... You might not ever realize that this subconscious taming was even happening. And thus, you may become a mental slave forever. I believe that that is their goal for the whole of humanity. Now, I want to give you just one more example here. I see the time. We're going to wrap this up. But just pulling from uh, the news cycle today, New Mexico just announced that the Second Amendment has been suspended. (laughs) For 30 days. The Constitution doesn't apply for 30 days. Uh, Because... Because, 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 because the great governor believes that restricting the rights of law-abiding citizens is somehow going to translate into reduced 
criminal behavior. Think about that one. Ah, brilliant. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. More importantly, this lady believes that gun violence is a public health emergency, and since gun violence is a public health emergency, that justifies this kind of authoritarian edict. That is her story, and she believes it. She believes it precisely because that is the story that she has been conditioned to believe. And, you know, it's a great example. We were talking here recently about the gender mainstreaming of small arms control. Uh, this is just one aspect of it. This is the elites, the global elite strategy to take away your guns in the name of public health and safety per the UN Office of Disarmament. But we don't have time for that today, friends. It is true that this liberal tyrant is unlikely to surrender her story. That's because she's probably no longer capable of surrendering her story. She has been assimilated into the collective hive mind. She's suffered from a subtle menticide that has killed her ability to think for herself. But deeper than that, friends, I suspect that this woman is a victim, a victim of the sort of spiritual assassination that I've been alluding to. She is no longer connected with her mysterious soul. Instead, she, she instead she's stuck in the cage in her head. You know, she's incapable of discerning her thoughts from reality. And she's no longer curious enough to wonder why people think she's crazy. I think we would be wise to let that be a lesson. Friends, do you know what really happened on 9-11? I don't. You know, are, are you curious enough to ask? I am. You know, are, are you willing to surrender your story? Yes. It's okay if people think that you're crazy. We're all a little crazy here. But as long as we remain curious, as long as we're allowed to ask the questions, as long as we're willing to surrender our stories, assess life just as it is, then we can control our own perceptions of past, present, and future. And friends, that is exactly what we need to win this War. Reflecting on the past provides us with wisdom. Reflecting on the present provides us with resources. Reflecting on the future provides us with a path forward. And when we reflect on these things, we can master the mind and dominate the enemy, friends. Uh, you should probably put that on your spiritual checklist right underneath surrender, because this is how you regain control. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go to the website, take the time to find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is... If you share this podcast with everyone you know, get out there and embrace this magical, mindful Monday morning, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.